Hey, this is Ashlyn, former co-host of the Top 10 Recovery Podcast, The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert. I have had my challenges, but I am also living proof that joy is possible, even when life does not go as planned. I'm excited to share with you real examples of living a life full of adventure, true healing, and freedom, no matter how messy life gets. Each episode, I will introduce you to someone I love and respect to talk about ways to be the buffalo and to face your storms in different areas of life. All right. Showing up for yourself and kids in co-parenting with my friend, Jessica Prue. And Jessica is um, here for good reason. She's a wife, an ex-wife, a mom, a stepmom, and a bold action taker. She has a successful podcast called Husband-in-Law that she records with her husband, Matt, and her ex-husband, Steve. Together, they are sharing their stories of love, marriage, coming out, divorce, remarriage, and co-parenting to help others know that they are not alone. They also co-own The Bold Logic, a company devoted to helping people leave behind feelings of anger, resentment, and bitterness to be prepared to take bold action and find joy in their lives. Jessica is a firm believer that by knowing and understanding what it is you really want in life, you can boldly create a life that you love, no matter your circumstances. And she mentors women who are struggling to hear their own voice, to gain clarity um, that they need to make it through the emotional fog in which they find themselves to embrace their inner unicorn. So I stumbled, but it's an important topic and Jessica's great. Um, welcome, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we met on Instagram and I love following you and you help me um, just be curious about my own thought patterns and some of the beliefs that I've had. So I appreciate you sharing what you do. And I would love for you, I mean, we gave you an intro, but that's a lot of things. So can you share just your story in a nutshell? Yeah. So in a nutshell, I married my first husband when I was 20, we met in college and, um, it was kind of like a, I want to say like love at first sight, which just makes me laugh, but it was, we met on a Friday, we went out on Saturday and we were together basically anytime we could be after that. Um, and a few days before we got married, we met in February, we got married in December and I should preface this. We are LDS, like Mormons. So we grew up in very conservative Christian religion as well. Um, And a few days before we got married, Steve came to me and he said, Jessica, I need you to know something. I've carried a lot of shame around this, but I've always told myself that when I got married, I would tell my wife this before we got married. Uh, And he told me he struggled with pornography, that it was something he had struggled with since he was 10 or 11 years old. And we went through lots of questions about that. And I still just felt very at peace and still very um, aware that this was still the man I fell in love with. Like he was still the same man. He treated me very well. He was very respectful and we had so much fun together. And so I was just like, you know what? We're good. We're going to continue forward with this. We get married. People talk about how that first year of marriage is like really hard and all of those things. And we just didn't experience that. We had a great first year of marriage. It felt easy. It felt right. Um, that being said <laughs> about six months into our marriage, Uh, We were living across the country and we were by ourselves and we, like Steve was working long days and I was home in this apartment by myself where I didn't know anybody and I got on our laptop and all this pornography started popping up and I was like, okay, the thing that I started noticing though was this wasn't just 
regular pornography in my mind. It was all men. There were no women in sight. It was gay porn. And I was sitting there trying to wrap my head around this. Like, what does this mean? Uh, I don't really know. And I'm like, I, I guess my husband is gay. Like, that's, that's the thought. And while there are straight men I know that look at gay pornography, I was pretty sure that that was the case. And when Steve came home from work, he instantly knew like something was wrong and assumed that I had found a bunch of pornography. And I said, are you gay? And he said, no, I'm, I'm not gay. I just felt it was disrespectful to look at women. And Mm -hmm. so I only looked at men. I didn't want to be disrespectful to women. And this was like what he actually believed at that point. Like it was, he was in such denial that that was deeply ingrained in him, that that was what he believed. And he says, he said that like in that moment, that was the first time he ever allowed himself to even think the words, I am gay. I am gay. And like had to start working through this, through that in that moment. Uh, and we continued for it in our marriage. A couple of years later, he was in counseling for the pornography and for some other things that he had going on. And the counselor was like, you know, Steve, like these are all things that you need to be aware of and deal with and whatever, but also you're gay. Like this is what's really causing these problems as you're, in your life is that you are not willing to accept this about you. Like you're not willing to love all of you. Um, and so at that point he came out to me as gay. So we were about two years into our marriage and again, we decided to stay married. This is what we both thought our lives would look like because of how we were raised that you get married and you have kids and you, um, do all these things. Like it's a, it's just how you do it. You, you are not gay. (laughs) And, (laughs) and so we continued forward um, we had a daughter about three years later. So about five years into our marriage, we were able to have a daughter. And, um, and at that point it was interesting because I was like, I'm ready for another one. Like we waited, you know, four years, I think we, for Penny to come. And I was just like, let's have another one. And about six months after she was born, I remember feeling like deep that we, I wouldn't have any more children and that I needed to enjoy this little girl that I had and that our calling in life would be to share our experiences. And at that point I was thinking, oh, this is great. Like we'll share how we've made it through in this mixed orientation marriage and um, how we've made it work as members of the church and all of these things. And then a couple of years later, we were divorced. <laughs> Steve had an affair. Uh, we tried to work through things after the affair, but it was a hot mess. And it was like, he had been attracted to me before the affair. And then it was right after that, there was no longer, it was not the same. Like he was not attracted to me. He had a really hard time engaging sexually. And, um, and I was shocked at how much that ripped me apart of how important that is to our relationships. Um, and so we tried to work it out. We ended up getting divorced. And I remember shortly after we got divorced, he had come home to visit his family for Christmas. And he was like, I don't think I can do this by myself. Like I can't face them. It's the first time he's seen them after he'd come out and we'd been divorced. And so I, I picked him up in Salt Lake and we drove up to see his family in Idaho Falls. And I stayed with him for Christmas and all of those things. And then he drove home to Boise with me and then flew home. Um, cause we were in Oklahoma at the time. Anyway, <laughs> But I remember in that car ride, having a discussion with Steve about how we wanted our divorce to look Mm -hmm. and just setting aside whatever 
emotions we could, because there was a lot of emotion, even though we were obviously amicable and cared about each other and wanted the best for the other one. It was, it's still a lot to process, no matter what your divorce looks like, no matter what you're going through, it's hard. And so um, we really, during those car rides, just went back and forth of the things we hoped for, the things we really wanted. And I remember my biggest fear in getting divorced wasn't for me. I knew I would make it through. I would heal. I'd be okay. I had those tools, uh, but it was really for my daughter. She was two. All I had ever seen of divorce was a vicious, bitter, you know, kids get dropped off at school in the morning. The other parent picks them up in the evening because they can't be in the same, like they can't be together. Uh, and then I heard about, this was never my lived experience, but, you know, kids who at their graduation or their wedding or whatever the big events were in their life worried about their parents being there in the same room. And that just made me sick. Like I want Penny when whatever milestones she has in her life, whatever big things she wants her parents at, that we can be there together and she does not have to worry about us. We just get to celebrate her and those things. Or even when things are hard in her life and she wants her parents there, like we can both be there genuinely um, for her. And I love this. I saw you and your ex the other day on Instagram, Ashlyn, and I was like in tears watching you guys show up for your daughter together in, because that's, she was going through something hard and that's what she needed. And that's, it's a lot of work to get there. Um, and so those were the things we kind of talked about is how do we get there? How do we maintain a relationship for our daughter? And, you know, we talked about what types of partners this was going to take for us in the future of who we hope to marry, like all of the things, like we really went into it and created this idea of what we wanted our divorce to look like. And somehow we have been able to maintain that and keep a relationship to the extent that yes, we host podcasts together. Um, we also celebrate birthdays together. Like even Steve's birthday, he was here on his birthday with his boyfriend and my family and all of these things. And we do Penny's birthdays together and Matt's birthdays together. Matt is my new husband. Um, he's just a part of the life, part of our life. And Matt said recently in an interview we did, they asked him, well, how do you feel about this? And he's like, at this point, I, if we're having a family get together it's, and Steve's not there, I'm like, well, where's Steve? Why isn't Steve here? Like what's going on? And so it's just been able, it's been something we've been able to create. And I also like to preface at this point that we know this does not work for everybody. My husband's ex, um, we have a very different relationship with her. And I have come to realize that that is okay too, that that is healthy for the kids as well. Being able to know what works for you is really the most important thing. We have extreme opposite relationships. And I am very grateful that on one side, we have a one that we can get together on and all of those things. Um, it allows me to appreciate, you know, that relationship even more, but I also acknowledge that it does not work for everybody and, um, you can make it work for you. Okay. I love all of that. Thank you. And I love that I can hear your story multiple times and it's different. It's a little bit different every time you share it, right? Just like my story, like it's not good yeah. if it's rehearsed. So thank you for sharing those different parts of your story. And it does make me emotional to hear, um, that you guys, you have every reason. I mean, anyone from the outside can look at this and be like, you have every reason to not be amicable, to feel so rejected and hurt. And to be able to, even that car ride of saying, I'm going to show up for you. And we're going to have this really uncomfortable, hard conversation. 
that really set the stage for everything you are now mm-hmm. that you can really zoom out and, and do it for the kids is the whole point. Right. Um, it's beautiful. I also love and honor that you have both sides. And I think that's what makes you special and, and being able to help women and couples see that it is possible even when the other partner's not interested. Yeah. Like you can have the freedom of peace, even if they are choosing not to. So love, love, love all of that. Um, I know, and I love what you said about like, it's even if you're amicable, it's still emotionally hard. Um, that's something I haven't been able to share well on my Instagram or here on the podcast because I just haven't. Um, it's tricky for me mm-hmm. to share the messy when I'm no longer tethered to this person yes. and they want to not be part of my story, right? Like we're done being part of each other's story, but we're amicable. And it's, yeah. so it's this, like, I don't know how to share that. This is still messy and hard. Also, we can get along. Also, this is weird. Um, so I just don't. <laughs> so thank you for doing that. Um, I can do it for you all day. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Um, can you share kind of like, I know I love the story of the car, but there's got to be some messy beginnings that helped you set the stage for where you are today. Yeah, for sure. Um, there was a lot of deep introspection that went on. And I always like to let people know, like too, at the beginning, our relationship didn't look like this from day one. We were not like in that moment. Yes. That was day one of us coming together for this drive to go support Steve with his family and all of that. That was day one. But also outside of that, there were weeks or months, you know, where we wouldn't see each other. We still checked in and whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. But it wasn't like we were doing things together on a regular basis or that we were ready to jump into hosting the podcast together or whatever. There was a lot of learning that went on. There was a lot of understanding. This is my boundary right now. Right now, I don't want to hear every detail of your relationship. I don't want to hear all of these things. I'm happy for you. I support you. I don't need to hear it. Um, Things like that. And also a lot of respect and trust needed to be gained back because we had gone through, I mean, it was betrayal. I, he had had an affair. um, There was pornography. There were other things that he did that were very deep betrayal. And while I trusted him because he tried to be honest with me through all of that, there's still trust that needs to be gained back. And so one of the ways that we really established that was showing up on time when you said you would be there for pick up and drop offs. This is my time with Penny. This is my time without Penny. You need to respect that. So things Mm -hmm. like that were very, they were more regulated during that time in the beginning than they are now of, Hey, you need to, I mean, there's still respect and stuff given, but then we stuck to a schedule. (laughs) We um, made sure we were doing pickups and drop-offs. Hey, you don't at the last minute say, Oh, I planned a day. I can't take Penny. Like that's not okay. And it's not okay for our daughter. Like it's showing respect for the other parent, but on a whole nother level, it's showing respect for your kid. And so I think that's where we get hung up is it's like, well, I don't have to do this for them, but to remember, I need to do this for my kid because showing up on time is important for my kid and knowing that they can rely on me is important 
for my for my child, especially during this time where there's this big transition going on. So things like that were really important in the beginning and taking time of saying, I can't talk to you right now. I want to talk to you, but I need the space to process my own feelings. And I remember times just saying straight up to Steve, I am so mad right now. I, I didn't get mad often, but when I did, I just put it out there because we had a good relationship and we talked regularly. We'd be like, I am really mad. And you can either hear that right now, or we need to not talk for a few days. <laughs> like just being clear about where yeah. we're at and respecting that in the other person, not taking it. I mean, it was personal, but also being like, this is their thing mm-hmm. they need to process. Um, I'm going to give them the space. So there was just a lot of those types of things that had to be navigated. And again, like knowing who I was to all of that and ultimately what I wanted really helped me. So identifying what I wanted in my divorce. Yeah, yeah, we can sit there and be like, I didn't want a divorce. I don't want to be here. I feel you. Like that was the last thing I wanted. It felt like failure. It felt like betrayal. It felt like I wasn't chosen. All of those things that you talk about. Um, But I also knew there were things that I needed to figure out what I wanted now because I couldn't, we couldn't go back. There was no going back. This is where we were. And so identifying the values now of what I wanted my life to look like. And again, some of those were, I value my ex-husband's relationship with my daughter and my relationship with my daughter. And that looks like, what does that look like? You know, like, what do those things look like for you? Um, Okay. Can I just pause there? Yes. Because I think that's, I think it deserves a little bit more, um, let's dive into that because I think that's where I see a lot of people get stuck. It's where I got stuck in the beginnings of, I knew I wanted to zoom out and like, this is for the kids. And we just kept saying it, like, we need to do these, these things for the kids. And so when we were writing our decree and it was very, very descriptive of how we dated and how we introduced our kids to people, um, the schedule, like all these things to protect our kids. Um, some of the things I, I looked at, I, I, it felt right and it felt safe. And I look at it and I'm like, uh, yeah, I was just con- trying to control the situation. Yes. I was not, I was not valuing my children. I was valuing me mm-hmm. and protecting me from feeling icky or hurt more or all these things. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I think it's important to see and to zoom out and say, am I protecting my kids or am I projecting my crap? Yes. Yes. Um, I was projecting some of my crap. 100%. And so is he. Um, and I think it's taken for me some time in the beginning. And I don't know if this is how it was for you. You're so hurt, but also they're your best friend. And yeah. so you're trying to like break that apart. And also who do I talk to? I normally mm-hmm. tell you all these things. And so we had that period of time where we're processing the divorce together. And then I'm like, this isn't healthy. You're not my person. Mm-hmm. I can't do this anymore. And so there was this really big divide, I would say that it was emotionally and physically distant. So a few months where it was just really, I didn't know what was going on in his life. I was just showing up to pick up my kids and, and drop them up, that kind of thing. Um, and now I think we're more in a place of, sometimes I hear about his life and how 
how he's doing with, you know, his mental health and, and those things. But really I'm, I would say I'm not in a place where I'm a friend. I'm more of an acquaintance at this point. And Mm -hmm. I'm I'm okay with that because my kids, like they are, I a hundred percent trust that he is taking care of them and their emotional needs, their physical needs. And that feels really good that I can trust a partner even if I'm not their best friend, even if we're not like hanging out and having the parties and hosting our podcast together. (laughs) So, um, I think it's important to zoom out and to, where am I trying to still control? I feel like (laughs) my life has been one long lesson of learning to let go of control. (laughs) I'm like, okay, you're not, I'm not the only one. I get this. Can you stop like beating me over the head with this? But there is, we have those tendencies and the women that I work with, like that is one of the big things is, well, they're not doing this and they're not showing up on this. And then their time, this is happening and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, let's focus in here. Are you upset because you feel like they should be showing up (laughs) in a certain way? They should be doing it the way you do it. Um, They should carry the same values as you, whatever. Or are you upset because your kids are genuinely not safe? Um, Your kids aren't like there are things happening that really aren't okay. Like you really have to unpack it. And Mm -hmm. it is hard work. It is hard to recognize, okay, they are, they do not do things the way I do things. Um, That is okay. This is their relationship with my kid. My kid is learning new types of relationships. Yeah. <laughs> um, ideally, my child will see the things that don't work and e- either be able to communicate those or be able to learn that those are things they don't want to carry forward themselves, um, those types of things. And, and they're going to have those with me of things where mm-hmm. I'm going to be, I'm not going to be great parent in this area. That's okay. That doesn't mean I'm failing. Um, I need to give my ex grace that this is their area that they're not great at. And that's okay as well. And so there's a lot of that. Um, I have found that if I relate it back into my previous marriage and say, you know what, we didn't parent the same then. Like I had to let go then that when I chose to go out of town without my partner and he was taking care of the kids, I'd accept that they were going to eat out every meal or that they're going to watch more TV. Like that's pretty normal. And it doesn't matter to me in that's, they're still taken care of. They're still taken care of. Um, also I did have a good friend who gave me really good advice. She had a Disneyland dad growing up Mm. and she said, what is like the, the best part of having a Disneyland dad is I had a dad who showed up. Yeah. He was fun. He was only fun, but I still had a dad who I knew loved me. And isn't that what you want for your kids? And in the beginning, I was frustrated. Like, I want to be the Disneyland mom. If you're gonna, yeah. like, this isn't fair. I'm the mean one. And I'm the, and also like, it doesn't matter. It does, but it doesn't. And yeah. I just, I built these things up and now I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter. They love no. their dad and he loves them. And that's what matters. And I feel lucky enough that I have, and I told him this recently, a co-parent who I can trust, a co-parent who I can rely on. And a co-parent who is showing my kids that he loves them. Yeah, that's important to me. 
And I think what you said right there of telling him those things is huge. Like acknowledging the good that the other co-parent does goes a long ways. I try to acknowledge the good things that our co-parents do all across the board to my child and to the other co-parent. I think it's so powerful to tell my kid, I love that your dad did that. I love that Jalen, his boyfriend shows up for you in this way. Like it makes me so happy that you and him enjoy these things. And, um, and same with your little penny, the freedom to, to love it too. And I'm happy to tell you and all that stuff. Yes. It opens the doors for her to tell me the good, bad and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, because she knows she's safe too, because she knows I care about this person as well. I'm not going to think less of them. We all have our stuff. Um, but also you are free to create a relationship with them. They are in your daily life. Like I want you to have a good relationship with this person. And that, I think when we can really, really focus in on that, that this is somebody they see all the time. This is an important person in their life. I can either destroy this relationship very easily and fill it with all sorts of, you know, projections and concerns and my kid feeling uneasy about the things their parents are doing, or I can create love and support. I can also make that clear to the other person of, hey, I really appreciate how you're showing up for our kid. And all that does is strengthen their relationship with your kid and with you. It makes them, it makes them more likely to say, Hey, this happened. That wasn't good. I want you to be aware instead of trying to hide those things. If you're acknowledging the good there, this doesn't always work. I know they're more (laughs) likely to acknowledge and to tell you when things aren't going great. They're more likely to engage. Um, And like I said, and I would say, sorry, I would say even my former partner will acknowledge when he's struggling and messed up before I even have to hear it from the kids. And he's just, you know, letting me know he, he feels safe enough to share that. Um, but I, he does, we give each other that feedback and gratitude and also our concerns with safety and whatever. Yes. And it's respected both ways. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's gratitude. One thing that he has done like above and beyond, which I am sure I have not experienced yet because he hasn't found someone to date um, long-term, but I have been in a long-term dating situation mm-hmm. and he's been 100% supportive, which has given my kids the freedom to love this new person, not mm-hmm. in a way that they love their dad, but in this no. new way. Right. And that is huge yeah. to have that support and to Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come together like you guys do. And just like, it's all one thing and it's not that yeah. weird. It, this should be normal, but it's considered weird. Yeah. It is. Should, the other should be weird. The, the not showing up yeah. at family events because we can't even look at each other should be weird, mm-hmm. but it's not, that's more normal. Yeah. But I do, I do feel like sadly, as we become this new generation of divorcees, that it is shifting a bit, right? Because maybe some I of us so or the parent, the child of divorce and say, I want to do it better. I want to do it different. Yeah. And I, for sure, there's just like all of those different dynamics that go into that of creating these relationships that work. And it's just so healthy for your kids to be able to see that, to see that model, to see, oh, like my dad can be happy for my mom. My mom can be happy for my dad. And Mm -hmm. that's amazing and beautiful. And it's not threatening your relationship with your kid, like a new partner 
isn't taking away from your relationship. It's adding to it. We've always been very clear, like with our kids, like my stepkids, I'm like, I am not here to replace your mom. I'm here to be here in whatever way you need me. Like I, that's my role. And it's taken, that has been the hardest role in my life to figure out is stepmom. Mm-hmm. Um, and second marriage, like it's been hard. And, uh, and so it's, it's been a process, but it's okay to allow that to evolve and to allow those things to change and to figure it out as you go, what works for you. Mm. Figuring it out as we go, we can change our minds. Yes. (laughs) I I had to remind my kids that last night, like, Hey, we can change our minds and we can say this. We thought this was a good idea and now we don't. Mm -hmm. And this is our new way. We're going to try it this way. So, um, what, what would you say, um, are like your top advice, maybe three things that you could say to my listeners, if you are finding yourself in a situation like this, where, um, you want you want to go into your divorce. No one wants divorce, but a lot of us are finding ourselves in that situation. Where would you send them to say, Hey, these are the top three things that I would do right now in order, even if you are already are divorced, maybe you've already written your decree. Maybe you've already said, this is our agreements, but where can I go now? Yeah. So one of the top things I think of is there is no right or wrong way for your co-parenting relationship to look like throw it all out, find the things that you do resonate with and pull those in and say, mm-hmm. how can I make these look like, what are things, where can I use these? How can they work in my life? Um, don't get set on it looking any one way. Like it does not have to look any one way you get to create the relationship that works for you. Uh, so, so silence, all of that noise of everybody telling you what you should do, what it should look like. When I, you were saying, you know, um, when we're going through the divorce and people are, people tell us what they think our divorce should look like people influence that of, well, you should be angry. You should be bitter. You should be all these things. And yeah, you can feel those, but also you don't have to sit in those. You don't have to carry that for years and years and years. Like that's a lot of energy to hold a lot that. of energy. <laughs> so that's number one thing. Just remember that there is no one way your divorce, your co-parenting situation should look. You get to determine that. Number two is really, I would say, dive into those values of your values and understand them. What is it you value? And I'm not talking like just, you know, we talk about love. We talk about, I value honesty. Create a full sentence around those things you value. Um, I value my relationship with myself and others by loving myself and by helping others feel seen and heard. Um, Things like that. Like, that's just, off the cuff. But I also think of like, I value my, my health by showing up for myself, like getting enough sleep by um, moving my body for 30 minutes by doing these things um, that show it love, not demanding certain things, but just an overall value. It's like, okay. And then you can decide how does this fit into my values? For me, one of those values is I, well, I can't even think of what it, I have the sentence somewhere, but in how that relates to my daughter is I value her feeling seen and heard in all of her relationships Mm -hmm. with her co-parents. And when I think of it that way, it's like, okay, so this thing that I really want to fight with about Steve, Mm -hmm. does it really matter? 
is it really helping my daughter or is it going back to that control? So understand those things that you really value. So throw out everything you think you know or think you how it should look like and then find your values. Get in tune with what those are. Um, and I would guess number three going along with that is silence that noise. People mm. are always going to tell you how your relationships look or how they think they would show up if they're yes. in your situation. <laughs> I, that's like my favorite. I'm like, oh, well, if I were in that situation, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I hear, yeah, I know. I, I can feel that knee jerk, but also you've never experienced what I'm going through. And even people who have gone through similar things as you do not, they are not you. Yeah. And so you can take it in if you want. You can say, you know what, this really isn't the conversation I want to have. Um, I don't need, I would prefer not to have your advice, right? Like in this thing, uh, you can set it up however you want, it, whatever works for you. If you want to hear it and then take that and process, this part resonated with me, this didn't, I'm throwing that out. But you need for to sure. be sure that you can throw those things out if you're opening yourself up to listening to it. I had my aunt ask, my aunt was in town this weekend and she goes, do you really want my opinion about this? Are you going to be mad? And I said, no, I really want to hear it. Like about something, not about co-parenting yeah. or whatever, but I said, yeah, I want, I want your feedback. And I knew going into that, that I could throw it out if I didn't, if it didn't feel right to me, but also I genuinely wanted to know what she felt because she was somebody I love and respect. Um, but even if it's somebody you love and respect, that does not mean they get a voice in your life. I'm always like your mom, your best friend, your sister, your girlfriend, your aunt, whoever it is that you value their voice and opinion. Um, they don't know what's right for you. They yeah. do not know what is right for you. Only you can figure that out. And that's Which where is the hardest yeah. answer, right? When I had a girl yesterday, who's, she wrote me this long DM of like, here's my situation. Here's my problem. What should I do? And I'm like, give her some of my thoughts, but I'm like, really your answer is in your question. Mm -hmm. And you already answered your, your knowing is already there. And she's like, well, that sounds fancy. I don't know what it means, but I'm going to go back and read it. And I'm like, no, really go read. Like you're literally mm -hmm. telling yourself what to do by telling me what your question is. It's really fascinating. We already, it know. is. We do. Um, and that's what I always tell women. I'm like, you know, like it is inside of you. As you are talking to me, I hear it. As you uh -huh. are writing me this message, I hear it. But you need to be able to really trust that and take action on it. Yeah. And for so many of us, is. we, we don't, we've lost that trust in ourselves. Oh, right. Yes. Especially if we're moving through divorce um, or betrayal, it's, it's wobbly and it's shaky ground. Yeah. And so to say like, wait, you want me to make this decision? Oh my gosh. So um, yeah. interesting enough, just learning to trust yourself again, make big decisions, make small decisions. Where am I going to eat today? Should I cut my hair? I'm not going to ask anyone. Yes. I'm just going to do it. Um, things like that. It's just ridiculous, but it's also very, very real for so many of us. Yeah. Um, and I think what you touched on here with starting with those things that seem little like dinner and your hair and those types of things, there is power in that. If you start trusting yourself in those little everyday today things, then it shows up in bigger ways. And then it's so powerful. I had, I always say at night when I go to bed, I always lay there and I think oh, I have to pee. I'm like, I just peed. And finally, I'm like, why don't you just listen to your body? Get up and try to pee. Either way, your mind shuts off because you did it. But it's like the longer I lay there and question myself, do I really have to pee? Do I really have to pee? The longer I just lay there and cycle. Like, get up and pee. It's the stupidest example. But, <laughs> but it's true. 
it works. If I think it, I'm just going to do it and not like every single thing, but yeah. trust yourself. Yeah. And listen to those cues, right? Our body yes. is constantly sending us cues and we're oh, either yeah. listening or we're just trying to shut it up. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I do have to say this. I get this question frequently. I would say mm-hmm. about every two weeks where people say, I don't understand how you can, how I don't see how you moved on after you did all that work to heal from the betrayal. And then he still left you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I hear you. Like I was for probably a month and a half. I was just in that, like, I gotta make sense of this. It's gotta, I have to figure it out. And I wasted so much energy, like incredible amounts of energy for me to try to understand my divorce and his thinking. And it served me nothing like 0%. I never figured it out. I don't care to figure it out. I honor his decision. I honor the gift I was given in that decision of divorce. And I've moved on. I let that energy go. And so I love that you're saying like, to be able to do these things, it is a lot of surrender. It is a lot of choosing to put your energy where it's most useful, which is back into yourself, finding those core values, finding what's important to you and finding the the way back to love for yourself. Um, Go ahead. It's interesting in hearing you say that. And like that got me Terry thinking about that because I put so much time and energy into helping Steve love himself. Mm. And then that ended in him loving himself to go be himself, which is beautiful. And I'm so grateful. And also again, gave me a gift in now that I get to be loved on a whole nother level and chosen on a whole nother level. But it did. Sometimes there is that feeling of, I worked my butt off for you. Like I gave you so much and you to make our marriage work in a mixed orientation marriage. And then you left me for a man. Mm -hmm. Um, and you said, it was for nothing. Like you said that. And I want to be like, but Ashlyn, and I know you know this, it gave you all of these building blocks. It gave you all of this understanding for where you are now. So while yes, it feels like for nothing sometimes, it's never for nothing. It is never for nothing. That is the story we tell ourselves. Like that was pointless. But then when we dive into it and look at it, it's like, yeah, but I learned all of these tools and I learned all of these things to show up better in my next relationship. And I learned how to be a better parent because of this. And I learned how to have a love for myself and Mm -hmm. all of these things that are beautiful and that are supporting the joy and the peace and the calm and the happiness that I get now and also supporting the moments of pain and heartache and all of that that we go through because we have these tools. And I always, I tell my unicorns, my unicorns are the ladies who have had a partner come out um, and they're in my coaching groups. So they've had a partner come out. Most of them are divorced, not all of them, but that this thing that we are going through for you, it was that betrayal. And then your partner leaving and all of those things, those things we go through, you look back at them and you're like, holy crap, I am amazing. <laughs> That's why I call us the unicorns. I'm like, I'm a freaking unicorn. Like I am amazing. I did this. I can go do this next thing. 
this thing is going to be hard. It's the Buffalo, mm-hmm. but I'm going to turn into it. I am going to do it because I know how strong I am. I have felt that I have seen that as I have gone through this process of betrayal, as I've gone through this process of divorce, as I've gone through whatever it is you are going through, whatever it is anybody's going through, I have done this. I'm going to show up even better this time. And then I'm going to be even stronger. So, Okay. Can I just say, thank you for all that. I actually, I'm glad you said that because I didn't realize I'd misspoke. I meant that I wasted energy trying to find out why. Yes. I did not mean that it was all for nothing. The work that I did to heal betrayal, like a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly what you said. Like it prepared me for the mess divorce created. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I still fell really far. Like I fell farther than I ever thought I would fall. Mm -hmm. I had the tools to climb out of that little Mm -hmm. muddy water that I created. Um, So no, I have no regrets in the life that I created with my former partner. and, and the, one of the things my daughter said this week was I had a dream that you and dad got remarried and she's like, I immediately was like, ew, no, like they don't go together anymore. We're yeah. different. And I've, I've been thinking and grieving the fact that I'm a better partner now than I ever was. Mm-hmm. And he will be the better partner than he ever was yep. because we needed this space. We needed to figure out who we really are and to really give the love that we both needed for ourselves. And so, yeah, we're not getting back together. I get that one too. I'm all, no, stop praying that we get back together. Not yeah. happening. Uh, thank you for your prayers. Oh. I don't want um, that. I moved on. Those are your prayers, not mine. So yeah. anyway, um, okay. One last thought from you. I would love to hear your most recent Buffalo moment. I'm guessing off your Instagram stories what it could be, but I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> oh, I want to know now what you think it is. <laughs> well, it can be two things. You go ahead. <laughs> um, my, oh man. Yeah. I, I, I probably know what your two of them. Well, the two that come to mind right now are, um, one that I have not put out there yet is actually that, um, so our, my stepdaughter has moved in with us full time. And which is amazing. I love having her here. She is an amazing girl. So grateful she feels safe in our home. And it brings me to tears thinking about it because it has been, we will, our anniversary is actually tomorrow. So we are nine years into being married and it has been a lot of work. It has been a lot of um, at first losing myself in, in stepmotherhood of trying to show up in ways that I thought I should. And it has been a lot of work of letting go of the control. And, um, and so I guess at this point, I'm kind of seeing, I don't even want to say the fruits of that because it breaks my heart that she, she, she doesn't feel safe in her mom's home all the time. Um, that is heartbreaking to me, but also so much gratitude that she's here in our home. And so there's been some in that and even just facing this, like, okay, let's like, this is the new thing. I get to find myself again in this new scenario of her living in my home full time and how I show up for her and what feels right and how we support her relationship with her mom, because that's still an important relationship and all of those things. So there's been kind of that, that, that was one you definitely have not heard about. Um, And then also the other Buffalo is 
finding again, religious beliefs in how I show up for myself, for my daughter within a very conservative religion that while I, there are things I love, 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 and know to be true and things that I want to stay in this religion for, there are also things that bring me a lot of heartache and a lot of things I don't understand. And this understanding of, do I stay and fight for change? Do I stay to be a voice for these people who I know are hurting more than I am within this religion, um, which I feel strong enough and capable enough to do right now? And also understanding that maybe someday I won't feel that strength, that I might need to step away to say, I can't, I can't speak up anymore. I need to be done. Um, and that being said, like I, I said, I I love my religion. I see the good that it has done for me, but I also see the hurt and pain that it causes for so many other people. And that's like where my, where my pull mm-hmm. is. Um, how do I show Which up? How just, do I teach in love? Just for those who maybe don't understand and who are like, you know, it's scary to hear something like that. It's so vulnerable to share that you are feeling those mixed feelings. And it's also very real and common. It's oh. just that you're choosing to share it. Right. So thank you for that. And for sharing yeah. your Buffalo moments. Um, there's a lot of beauty in everything that you share. And so I appreciate you taking the time to share it here with my audience so that they can find you and, um, they can find you. You're, you gave them a link for a free workbook, work, workbook. Um, where can they find you, um, outside of here in the podcast? Yeah. So we, you can come find us on our own podcast on husband in law and it is a little bit of a different setup. We kind of, the three of us, my husband, Matt, and my ex-husband, Steve, sit down and tell our story from basically day one. And so it's a chronological podcast. Um, you'll want to start with episode one if you want all of the details. And then also on Instagram is the place we are the most active. Well, I am the most active. Um, same handle, husband-in-law on there as well. And those are the two best places to find us. And yeah, the free workbook helps you identify your pain points. So where are you carrying pain or where do you need healing? Or even like, where are you carrying those shoulds? Like, where are you Mm. telling yourself, this is how my life should look like. And it's keeping you from being able to move forward. I, yeah, everyone needs that. So go to the link in the show notes and click on the free workbook right now. Um, Thank you again, Jessica. And um, I appreciate you being here and using your voice. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here with me today, whether I was with you doing your dishes while you got ready or driving in your car. If you found a nugget in this episode, please take 30 seconds. You can click on the link below in the show notes and leave me a quick review over on iTunes, or you can share on social media or shoot me an email. It offers me your support without you having to spend a dime or much of your time. Until next time, be the buffalo.